0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. I can't keep doing this. I can't do it.
1: I can do it. I've got it all under control. So, where are we off to?
2: Clara, God, you look lovely today. Have you had a wash?
3: Why are you being nice?
2: Because it works, you? Listen, I'm sorry, but there's going to be no trip today. I'm sorry. Uh, I've got to do a thing. It might take a while.
4: What thing? Just a thing. You're being mysterious. And you know what that means?
2: I'm a man of mystery.
4: Hmm. It means that you are a very clever man, making the mistake common to very clever people of assuming that everybody else is stupid. Where are you going?
2: Undercover. Deep cover. Can you do deep cover? What do you mean? Have you seen you? Of course I can do deep cover.
4: <laughs> Where the magic circle?
2: I'll see you when I see you. When's that? When I see you. Uh, hold on. There is just one more thing. A sort off sick, so we've got a newbie. I did ask him to come along. Oh, here he is. I'm the new caretaker, John Smith. Welcome to Coal Mr. Smith. Thanks. Yes, John Smith's the name. But you know, here's the thing. Most people just call me the Doctor.
0: Live from the PE locker rooms at Coal Hill, it's Doctor Who. Pachak. Our friend Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 311. No, 312. (laughs) This is lewis Trapani, and this is Doctor Who Pachak. Joining me is none other than Dave A.C. Cooper.
5: Yeah, uh, uh, now I know what the smell is. Now you now you told me we we're in the locker room. I thought it was Ian's new dog called Bixby. I thought it
0: uh, <laughs> uh, it made a little puddle somewhere. But uh, no, no, well, that's good enough for me. Well, you're smelling very good. You must have had a wash. Ah, <laughs> you noticed? I've got a bit of a tan as well. <laughs> yeah, you are looking a little more browner.
5: Yeah, funny enough, I was on this planet, and uh, I thought I saw something that looked a little bit like Spock in the background, wearing a, a coat and a cowl, uh, practicing for some ritual of some sort.
0: Oh, I, I thought I was at um, was it was it geno- uh, genosis? um <laughs> where um, but, I, uh, I thought I thought that we were going to see some ravaging creatures um, go up and, and attack our two uh, heroes that were tied up, to, chained up. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe anyway. they are nods to both of them, to both of those um, previous sci-fi outings. Indeed. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're here live, and we're here to re- review the most recent Doctor Who story that just went out yesterday, The Caretaker, and we'll do that momentarily. Is there any news, um, any major news to, uh, to talk about this week? Well... Well, just a couple of things. One's, I'm not even
5: sure whether it's classic news, but it is Doctor related, and that's just to say that um, there's some sad, not sad news, but um, worrying news, because one of the actresses who appeared in Classic Who, Gina Bellingham, uh, has gone public that she's mm-hmm. um, a, a gravely ill and uh, may not live very long. Uh, she was in The Trial of a Time Lord. She played the Inquisitor. Ah.
0: In, uh, 12, 12, 13, you know, i, I heard the uh, news the name the name looked familiar but i i wasn 't getting the connection there so i didn't have i didn't do the i i didn't go to the internet movie database to, you know do her uh, you know her... Neither did i i beg your pardon oh i wasn't implying no, that you it? did i'm just saying i couldn't remember i couldn't place her name i wasn 't implying anyone else does that i mean <laughs> I, I, I knew that because of course
5: it's uh, it's trial of time is one of Ian's favourite uh, series and he likes the actress as well so um, uh, he didn't actually prompt me to it but uh, uh, unfortunately by the way uh, Ian's not too well I think I think he was cleaning up some sick and that's uh, put him off a little bit put him off his match a little bit unfortunately um,
0: yeah. yeah I hope he gets go. well soon uh,
5: the, the only other news I've got is the, um, the they have on the net site put up the overnight viewing figures for The Caretaker which is um, 4.89 million Uh, but of course there's lots of the ones to add on you know from the iPlayer and and so on and the the BBC people watching it on BBC 3 so um, I'm sure the consolidated ratings will be a lot higher than that Uh, but currently it's uh, 22nd for the week but the final ratings will be available next Sunday
0: Oh, very good I don't know if there's anything, any, any other, well, like you well, said. This,
5: well, well, just one other one. And that is um, BBC memorabilia is up for auction. Uh, you know, the BBC television centre that was sold off. Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's an auction of stuff from that. The auction is being held by PP Auctions. And um, part and parcel of that is a three and a half metre by two and a half metre high canvas trap. Backdrop uh, that was used to promote uh, Doctor Who during the eleventh Doctor's era. It's a picture of Matt Smith uh, with the TARDIS and the vortex behind him, as one of the the main things that they're selling off. Um, but basically, I'm sure most people can check out that um, on Doctor Who News dot net site. Now,
0: there's a the, well. I'm not going I'm not going to get into details because I. I don't believe this is a spoiler, but I'm. It's still. I'll, side on the, I'll err on the side of caution here. Is that um, there was a photograph going around the net with uh, a former actress <laughs> from Doctor Who with uh, Peter Capaldi on on the on the TARDIS. Um, I'm sure it was just. I'm, I'm guessing she was just visiting, and uh, um, there was a picture taken with with the two of them on set and. In, in case there's more to it, I don't want to give too much away, so that's the, why I'm being a little coy here. You're being a little Sylvester, are you? <laughs> yes. Anyway, if, if you've seen it, it's a, it's a cool picture. Um, I, I Again, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure once this series is over, it will all come out to be that it was nothing and it was just a, a visit, which I'm assuming it was, just a, a friendly visit, and there's nothing to read into it.
5: laughing at guest
0: six. Was she naked? Um, I could say more about that, but that would be giving too much away. Uh, (laughs) I was. No, 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 no. So I I guess what we'll do is we'll we'll jump into um, our review of, and, and well, I guess before I do, as always... Spoilers. Spoilers. Again, spoilers. Spoilers.
4: Spoilers.
0: Okay, so if you haven't seen The Caretaker, that's the episode we are reviewing today. You may may, um, take note and save this to um, when you have seen it.
2: Oh, listen, there's the bell. Off you go, haven't you got shoplifting to go to? I'm going to tell the headmaster. Oh yes, fine, well cut along, you're running out of time. For what? Everything. Human beings have incredibly short lifespans. Frankly, we should all be in a permanent state of panic. Tick-tock,
1: tick-tock. You're weird.
2: Yes, I am. What about you? I'm a disruptive influence. Good to meet you.
1: And you.
2: Now, get lost.
1: OK. Hello, miss. Love to the squaddy. Sorry, what did you say? What she doing here?
2: Paper towels. Now, I imagine. You have many questions. By the way, I won't answer any of them.
4: What were they like? Or who like? The others before me. Did they let you get away with this kind of thing? This school is in danger.
2: Well, it's lucky I'm here, then. From you. Me?
4: You wouldn't be here if there wasn't an alien threat nearby. Your strategy for dealing with it involves endangering this school.
2: You don't know that.
4: I don't know anything because you haven't told me anything, which means I wouldn't approve, which means
1: you are endangering the school.
2: What's that? It's a scanner. I'm scanning. Why do I keep you around?
4: Because the alternative would be developing a conscience of your own. Scanning for what?
2: Any alien technology in this vicinity should show up. I used to have a teacher exactly like you. Oh,
3: you still do. Pay attention. What the hell is it?
4: Skovox
2: Scovox Blitzer. One of the deadliest killing machines ever created. Probably homed in here because of our Tron emissions. You've had enough of them in this area over the years. There's enough explosive in his armory to take out the whole planet.
0: Okay, the the caretaker. It's um, it's written by Gareth Roberts and Stephen Moffat, directed by Paul Murphy, and uh, um, it ran about forty five minutes. Well, I think it ran not about forty five minutes, but it was forty five minutes long. And you know, as I was. Um, suggesting last week and i was hoping for this week i guess my 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 hopes and my questions got answered because i was i said to my i said in our last week's show that i was hoping that we'll finally um, get to the next level with this relationship between clara and danny and um you know and and, and get past all you know the the dating ritual <laughs> and, and i guess um that's what that's what this was and it, it's titled the caretaker and we're led to believe that it's the it's the doctor but maybe in the end it's um it's Danny Pink but we'll we'll get to that more later i enjoyed it it was um it was a good character story i mean it really just showcased um the the, the alien threat the adversary was really just a side plot and it was really about um, Clara, the Doctor, and Danny and their relationships and and finally bringing it out in the open because um, up until now, Clara's been leading a double life and we see that in the beginning here. The, the opening teaser for this is rather long. I, I mean, it felt long. I mean, I don't... I About, I mean, f- about four minutes, four, I think. Like four and a half minutes. I don't know how that compares to others, but it, it felt um, very long and, you know... But I I think it worked. Yeah, it was—I mean, it's—this is one of those episodes, one of these stories that is um, not so much on the edge of your seat, you know, with excitement, but it's sort um, of—I mean, it was needed because, obviously, we're halfway through the series already, and it didn't seem like we were getting anywhere. It seemed like we were stuck in the mud with this whole relationship with Clara, Danny, and the Doctor, and— Up until now, we, I mean, uh, some of us, myself included, were assuming maybe the doctor had already pieced it together who she was seeing, you know, who this other person was that she was constantly going on dates with. Um, But then it turns out that—actually, they had fun with it in this story, in this episode, because it it turns out that um, the doctor assumes it's someone else. And when we—I mean, it was very obvious, uh, you know— uh, and then, as as the episode went on, they they played more into the hand. But I, at first, I thought it was sort of like going to be a it was going to be more subtle, you know, where because we see this um, other, I guess, school teacher Adrian, and he's with a bow tie, and um, he has a um, his hair is done up, and he you know, and he has a facial facial structure is a little similar to that of Matt Smith, and so he has this little resemblance of the Eleventh Doctor. And I said, ah, you know. I, I see what they're doing here. And um but the, you know, but then the the episode itself, the story itself actually plays into that where the the doctor then sees him and says, Oh, I see. And um and I, there's a further um when the when Clara is explaining to Danny what's going on that um you know, he the, they, they talk about how the doctor um used to look like Adrian. And now um, is... A dashing young time traveler. Yes. Which Clara, when you know, assumed you know when the Doctor was saying that that he was talking about um, the other Pink Oz, not, uh, Oz, Oz, no, not um, or, 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 or Or Orson. Danny, Orson what was his name again? Orson. The 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 one from um, oh, oh the the, the, the one listen the, episode that went to the end of the universe,
5: the time traveler one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's why Clara thought he had worked it all out. So what did you think, Dave, um, as far as your initial impression?
5: Well, I liked it. I usually give Ian a a, a one-word review of it. I I gave this one a school report instead. uh, I stretched myself all the way to a verbose two words. and I said, mostly positive. And I think you've already put your finger on the thing that uh, was the weakness for me, although it wasn't critical to the plot, and that was this uh, this robot... The effect, alien... Um, robot. ...had a very similar effect to me on, as it did on the, you know, um, dinosaurs and the spaceship. That sort of uh, letdown, in a sense. Now, Gareth Roberts... Uh, obviously it was the main writer on this. We don't know what proportion uh, he wrote and what proportion Stephen Moffat did, because yeah. we're both credited. One has to assume that he did the most in terms of the actual uh, main mm-hmm. want uh, and yeah. what have you, and, and, uh, and uh, Stephen's the one that sort of just um, made it uh, fit within the overall story arc. But um, one of the things about Gareth Roberts, I mean depending on you know what he's written before I mean just to give you a very quick uh, he's written Shakespeare Code Unicorn and the Wasp Planet of the Dead The Lodger Closing Time and now The Caretaker but he's got even more credits on Sarah Jane Adventures Uh, Invasion of the Bane uh, Revenge of the Sliverine, Wow! Sarah Jane seeks of the stars. Interesting you say that, Sarah, and so on. But this definitely seemed to me to be a Sarah Jane yeah, monster. Yeah,
0: I, I got that feeling as well. I felt very much like it was. I kept on thinking of about, and yeah, you know, unfortunately, I, I was. You, you had mentioned, um, um, Lynn's, um. Um, the the actress um Billingham Billingham Linda Billingham and uh, Gina, so Gina. so she, that that was on my mind and um and I was thinking about um Elizabeth Slade and how it was unfortunate um you know because we we lost her to cancer as well if I recall correctly and um, so yeah while watching this I kept on thinking Lynn. I should have said Linda
5: Bellingham it's, yes um, I don't know why I got J- I've got Gina for some way it's Linda Bellingham
0: my apologies yes so yeah, anyway so I guess because of both of um, I had heard about that and I heard um, and, and this just had the markings of a um, Sarah Jean adventure yeah this is a, yeah indeed it's like I, I, you know, I I always say that the adversary doesn't need to be a um a, a big the threat doesn't need to be massive it doesn't need to you know doesn't mean to mean like the whole universe is in danger all the time because you get you get too much of that in a row and you feel like you're in a rut so um so I I think it's it's okay that we have um. Like an alien threat that's that's not so right? that's more more or less a side story here. Though that said, I think um, I think if I was doing it, I probably would have done it differently and and um, and maybe made that a little maybe make the two parallel stories more equal in weight and and go that direction. Um, just as my own personal take on that, I, Dave. I do want to ask you a question though, because there's a character here. Um, uh Courtney Woods, uh the, the, the disruptive influence, uh the the young actress who plays a student who I, I did recognize from before she was um we did see her before, and, and it was good to see some continuity with her coming back and um you know back in the you know in the Cole Hill school. Now she uses um and she I don't you know she uses this word squatty. Is this just a is this a um, a cultural term or is it maybe just I'm too old and the kids are using it or is this something that is she is, she, is this a reference to uh,
5: a soldier? It's a reference to a, yo- a, a young soldier. It's called a squaddy, A trainee soldier is okay. called a squaddy. All right. So, um, yeah, that that uh, may,
0: maybe that's this... a, a something that's um, more unique to the UK. I have I've never used I haven't heard that term before or it could be just my ignorance. I, I don't know.
5: Yeah, no, that is it. And as you rightly say, played by Alice George, this Courtney Woods, uh, she's the one that gave Clara, uh, when Clara was thinking back, uh, you know, uh, about the threat levels um, in, in the story before. You said, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't go with the, uh, don't th- threaten with your biggest thing because you've got nowhere to retreat. And that was the girl she was imagining back at school, and the teachers have referenced her on the first date. Her and Danny who talk about, oh, have you got that girl? And of course, if this is a sort of a a reset uh, of Doctor Who back to, you know, back to the unearthly child and taking his full circle back to Coal Hill School... Uh, of course, you have the two teachers where, I mean, the first uh-huh. time I think we see Barbara yes. mm-hmm. um, talking is when they're talking about this one strange child, you know, one that she seems to know more than me, uh, but yet she doesn't know other things and this that and the other, where, of course, this is an updated version of that, this uh, disruptive element, as she's called. Um, so, yeah, she seemed to do an adequate job. Um I don't want to jump to the end part yet where she has a little trip, but um, <laughs> I, th- I thought the whole story... I mean, there were lots of references. I mean, uh, in, in, the, um, in the bit where the, uh, the policeman tackles the boys outside for truancy, are leaving school, uh-huh. uh, and he goes in and he's the one that gets uh, shot and also makes a reappearance right at the end. Uh, uh, <laughs> to say this alien was not frightening, especially with the, the face... I think they could have done a better job of the face. It looked a little bit like a Cheshire cat or a pussycat or something. But, um, of course, we had this sudden dismembered hand on the floor, yeah. looking for all uh, out of the hand of fear. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that was done on purpose. Um, but, um, no, I, 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 I like the story setting. I thought it was great. The, the montage has moved things on because we as you said, gone through a couple of dates. We're very, very, very carefully and very well for Dr. Who. Um, uh, sidestep the very troublesome third date so we're <laughs> now well beyond their relationship being an ongoing thing that uh, only some of the streetwise kids have picked upon looks as well the rest of the staff aren't aware of it uh, but the the kids certainly are um, we've got the doctor uh, going in, and I hadn't realised this reference but um, if you go back to the remembrance of the Daleks um I think that's right one um, where Sylvester McCoy and Ace go back to Coal Hill School yeah they're mistakenly uh, is thought of as coming for the job of the janitor Um, ah so there's a a reference back to that and of course wasn't it uh, Ace's baseball bat that had the art on energy on it or whatever Uh, because that's uh, the, the whole place is seeped in this energy and the spaceship that landed in the the playground and so on so um, they've, 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 they, to me, this this episode was a uh, uh, had a lot to do. Uh, there were a lot of plot points in there that were sort of getting the uh, the pieces, the chess pieces, or whatever you want to call it, all set for. As you quite rightly said, here we are. Uh, this is episode uh, six. six, and you don't feel as though the 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 twelfth Doctor is really launched fully as the Doctor in charge of a TARDIS. Uh, on adventures yet uh, I mean this is the the first of a new set of regenerations as far as we know and uh, a bit of a reboot um, we've now got two teachers do two teachers end up in the TARDIS we've now got a, a, a strange and stroppy girl um,
0: will she be in the TARDIS We've well, got um, yeah. It makes a lot me of wonder
5: things, uh, if if the
0: two if it's going to be sort of like an Amy and Rory thing where now the two will, you know, instead of dropping off at Earth every story and and you know, though I did like this story where it opened up in the midst of an adventure. You know, we, 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 it wasn't the Doctor going back to Earth to to fetch Clara. You know, this story started with um with both of them in peril. You know, we were alluding to it at the beginning of the show, um, or maybe before we started the show, um. You Know it started in the middle of like a previous adventure or something like that. So, um, but I wonder if yeah. if, if we're gonna um finally you know leave Earth for a while and just go on a series of adventures.
5: Uh, and then the, the 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 reference he came back and said, Do you want to see fish people? So we're all thinking about the hash, aren't we? Yes. Um, in that one, but he said, No, fishing people. I think that was the third then, date with the seaweed. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. That's a way to make an impression, isn't it? Yeah, let's go for a sushi bar, yeah. <laughs> and so um, uh, there was an awful lot to recommend this. Um, uh, it, it can be argued, and I'm sure people do argue, and I certainly know one that's argued, that this was a bit too much of the romantic storyline with the Doctor really being the, the sort of... Uh, Slightly eccentric scientist, you know, uh, ignore me in the background, I'm on the deep cover. Uh, we even uh, earlier got a, a reference um, to um, Back to the Future, sort of, uh, and uh, like Emmett, the scientist, in that with his, especially when he's got the gadget on his back and he's talking, trying to talk this robot down. Uh, yeah. See,
0: I see. I thought it was the Doctor doing his Ghostbusters thing again. We, we saw Ghostbusters, it, right? Yeah, well, we saw that. Right. It's, it, to me, that's what it reminded me of, you know, because you know, the Ghostbusters would go in, you know, set up traps and whatever, and um, you know, they had all their gadgets in the backpack and all that. And you know, we've seen it before. The Tenth Doctor did the whole Ghostbusters thing um, in a. Um, it was, I, th- I think, it was a Cyber um, Cyberman story. I, I can't remember the name. I can't remember the ap- actual episode now where. You know he, he was doing that. You know he he has uh, and now the twelfth doctor here as the caretaker, caretaker's um, army of ghosts. Someone says in chat. The seven, oh, it's Jeff. Uh, um, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, my Good screen luck. was partially covered. Thank you. So yeah, it's it was I I, I thought it was that that um, and it, again um, it it could be also um, a little from Back to the Future as well. Hey, since yeah, we speak of. Yeah, I, I just—I'm just saying. Just since we speak of a cultural references, uh, the Doctor does whistle another brick in the wall. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought that was kind of fitting, since um, since Pink Floyd did um, did incorporate uh, the Doctor Who theme in, in um, at, at one point in um, one of these days.
5: Yeah. yeah. The,
0: other, the, only
5: other thing about, uh, the only other thing about the thing about the 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 actual role, but which is irrelevant really, because it, it just had to be a threat to get him into the Coal Hill School. But um, this, um, Danny wanted, he wanted reassurance. Even though, actually, I mean, Clara blurts out that she loves him. I mean, that seems to get lost a little bit further on in the plot. I mean, if I was him, I'd be saying, "So you love me?" You know, I mean. It, it, yeah, I, it's I felt actually, the same way. Yeah.
0: She, he, he, but, um, he 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 wasn't surprised at all. You know, I guess maybe internally he might have been, but he didn't vocalize it. Right.
5: Uh, the two things. Well, first of all, my brother-in-law thought um, he should have been more surprised when he saw inside the tardis. He didn't seem. I mean, he looked in it, but he didn't seem overwhelmed by it. He didn't seem even overwhelmed by a watch that can make him invisible. Now. Whether it's because I mean we still don't know which what sort of soldier Danny Pink was and, and what sort of war he was in, I mean it, it could even turn out we've had this army in the future where you know they were led by the Blues. Do, do we know for certain that Danny is actually from our time? Thing I don't know whether that's going to be something that plays out because he certainly didn't seem that. Uh, uh, phased by it all, and one thing I would say is I hope that that watch gets lost because, I mean, you've you, as many as most people who have referenced how the sonic screwdriver can get them out of a lot of scrapes. Yeah. If he well, if he brings some sort of invisible bull cloak with you, I mean, basically he will be a magician
0: no well the, i I'm glad it wasn't the sonic screwdriver. I'll say that much. I'm glad it was the apple watch that he went into the future and got i i mean the, this new watch that he has <laughs> 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 the timing was is <laughs> quite right on it so uh yeah i don't but we've seen it before wasn't it um, there were there, i mean torchwood had was it keys or these perception f-
5: um filters and, uh, the tenth the, the tenth dot had the, uh, the the perception filter yeah
0: yeah so with I, the keys round the neck. I mean, I'm kind of surprised, you know, maybe he didn't, you know, just reuse that, but, you know, but, but I guess, um... You well, know.
5: well, Martha wouldn't know about that. She knew about the watch because the Doctor had shown it to her, and she sort of half-inched it, didn't she? She took it out of the TARDIS.
0: Yeah, Clara. Clara, no, yeah. Sorry. No, that's all right. So,
5: um... So, but, um... You know, uh, the, the, again, we, we... There's this debate about whether... We know the doctor doesn't like authority so much, even though the third doctor certainly was complicit with UNIT. It seemed, even though he didn't like people firing off uh, bullets at things, uh, he liked Sergeant
0: Benton. But um, yeah, but he, he had his whether he had his trouble oh. with UNIT at that time too. I mean, he uh, there were several instances where you know he he lost his temper with the brigadier, and um, you know he he, he was. I, I don't you know as some people were saying um I've I've you know seen elsewhere people fans complaining that it was out of character for the doctor to be so anti-soldier but I, I think he always has been um you know not too keen on the military and military intelligence and you know I I mean he's worked with them well, with unit but it's it was it was a you know at times it was a um strained relationship
5: well, he may be a changed man, of course, be, having been, the, you know, the war doctor. And then I think uh, Jeff, the seventh doctor here, uh, if, he's not on audio. So let me just mention that uh, he, he may, uh, mentioned course, he spent hundreds of years on Christmas, uh, you know, fighting a war. Mm-hmm. So That's true, war too. and soldiers, he may, he may have had his fill of them, you know. Yeah. And he's looking out for Clara, of course.
0: Well yeah both of them are at in you know in the end that we see All right so that that's i, I was yeah. i was sort of implying before yeah let's i'm going to play another clip and we'll talk some more <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well done, P.E. Brilliant work! What's this? A chronodyne generator. I'll just deactivate that, shall I? I've got a swimming certificate, so that qualifies me to meddle with higher technology. Never mind that some people are actually trying to save the planet. Oh, no, there's only room in my head for cross-country and the offside rule.
1: Danny, what are you doing here?
2: I checking up on him. He's been up to
1: something fiddling with the electric, but what the...? No. What? Did you see that thing? Tell me you saw that thing. I saw the thing. Yeah, doctor, are we safe? Is the planet safe? It's, it's gone.
2: Yes, 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 for the moment. But the thing is, you see, the chronodyne generators have to be precisely aligned to generate the vortex. But the sergeant here, he went and moved one. Okay, on. but
1: the chronodyne worked. It's, it's gone. Well, not far enough.
2: The vortex will open you again, but not in a billion years. Then when? Well. Uh, seventy-four hours, three days, three days to think of something new. Because now it knows what to expect. Now it has scanned me, and it will kill me on sight. Thanks to P here.
0: <laughs> I don't know why, Clara. No, I suppose P. Go ahead. I'm sorry. As
5: I say, I don't think P teachers will enjoy this episode too much. Now there are uh, there are quite a few people saying things in text chat. Depending on whether they are on audio later or not, uh, I'll read some of them out, but they may be able to have a chance to come on later and talk. So I'll, I'll let them stay there for the yeah, moment.
0: Yeah, everyone's welcome to uh, to chime in on, on our, you know, when we get to live feedback, yes. So I, I, was, I was just about to say, I don't know why Clara bothers lying. She seems so bad at it every time she goes into... <laughs> Indeed. It's interesting... Well, you can argue it's
5: it's more difficult to lie to somebody who knows you so well. I mean, uh, she may be able to lie to other people, but uh, assuming this relationship has moved on and they're very intimate, maybe he has this sense that she keeps something distant from him. Um, Again, there's one scene where she comes towards him, just prior to that watch, and he says, you you have your excuse uh, frown on your face. You know, yeah. so he's beginning to read her, and knowing that she is holding back from him in some ways, uh, he obviously feels as though uh, if if there is true love there, uh, and that true love may have been expressed before, uh, why 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 is it that he knows nothing about this doctor? Because he suspects from the very first time the doctor arrives and declares himself to be the caretaker, and he winks at Clara. Mm-hmm uh And she said, Oh no, no, it's just a general week for the room you
0: know? Yeah. well it's interesting in the in the teaser in the opening of this story uh Clara does scold the doctor you know and and says that you know he's making a mistake, thinking that everyone else is stupid you know where when the when the doctor's trying to, to uh to be caught co- you know when they I think they were talking about this thing that he had to do and you know and they were being you know he was being elusive yet she does the same exact thing when he's with when she's with um, Danny and she does the same thing where she's, you know, and even Danny says in, in the next scene when they're ho- walking in, in a corridor in the Cole Hill School saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not stupid. And, uh, you know, and, and she's talking about, oh, I had this thing and now the thing is over. And now I'm all yours. My time is, uh, you know, whatever. I'm paraphrasing here, but whatever. You know, she's saying that, that I'm I'm all yours now. So, um It's just a a parallel there that I'm uh, pointing out. Yeah, I see that, yeah. Though, you know, this is not the first time. You know, we see the Doctor here. In a sense, he's um, competing. You know, not that he's interested in a romantic relationship with uh, his female companions, but it just seems like as of late, you know, since the series has come back, it seems um, the Doctor always goes into this... uh, this role of being competitive with the boyfriends of his female companions, and I don't know. I think this is this is just getting a little long in the tooth,
5: right? But I think, as I say, as I said a little bit earlier. I think maybe they're trying to get back to that dynamic between, like, the Doctor uh, and Ian in Chesterton that they had, you know, where. They butted heads a little
0: bit when they were first on the top together. Oh, yeah, together. yeah, yeah. That, him and Harry Sullivan and... Um, I, the, the other thing I was um, afraid of or concerned about is that I didn't want Danny Pink, the character of Danny Pink, to mimic Mickey in a way, you know, where he was sort of, like, not knowing and, you know, they they painted him as a little... Um, you know, uh, I don't want to say dumb, but you know, not, unaware or, or ignorant at first, and you know, but then unimaginative. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so I, I guess it's going to be interesting to see where things go now with these, you know, with Clara and Danny.
5: It's a pity, actually, that this actor does have a similar way of talking, doesn't it? Um, so you do think about Mickey sometimes you yeah. hear him talk. I can almost hear Mickey.
0: Yeah, and in, um, in, in chat, Davros eleven seventy nine said, "The Tin Dog, I'm the Tin Dog." You know, it was a, a line that he had said. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Jeff's right, seventh yeah. Doctor, yeah. Mickey the idiot, that um, I think the ninth Doctor proclaimed him to be. So again, even then, it was going back to what was that two thousand and five? There was this like. Adversary. Well, you had just mentioned it. You know, going back to even the, the to the very beginning. You know, um, uh, with with um, Ian Chesterton and um, and, and, and other. I, I think eventually there was a relationship that developed between Ian Chesterton and. Um, yeah. But uh, but initially, I don't. I think they were just two friends, two school teachers. You know.
5: Well, they had to get along because, of course, uh, in in the original series right at the beginning, um, he and Barbara think, you know, quite right, that the the Doctor can't control the TARDIS and they're very much fretting that they'll never get back home. At least one-day companions have a little bit more likelihood, if they don't get killed, that is, of of actually going back to their own
0: time. Yeah. Yeah, Wasn't there... um A fairly recent story where an episode where they implied the they had gotten married once they returned back to earth you mean Barbara and Ian yes I think so I can't remember whether that was in one of the
5: the books but whether that's canon or not I don't know death of a doctor says Darth okay thank you Sarah Jane adventures thank you guys and Kyle
0: that's it's. Uh, if you're listening to this, we uh, again we have a live chat going on while we're recording, so um, it it's very helpful because uh, when my brain's gone to mush, and it's uh, it's great accessing th- th- those that are thinking more clearly than myself, which is basically about everyone else in the world. All right. Uh, <laughs> This is
4: Warren Hussein. Thank you for listening to Dr. Who Podshock.
0: We'll be right back with our review of The Caretaker, our live review. I want to take a couple of minutes here to remind our listeners about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Business, romance, comedy, thrillers, sci-fi, and a whole lot more, Audible will play on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere, just like this podcast. And now for you, listeners of Dr. Who Pachak, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check their service out. And if you decide, well, it's not for you, fine. Keep your free audiobook and you can cancel the service, or you can cancel the service and <laughs> keep your free audiobook. Uh, to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrialcom podchalk. Again, that's audibletrialcom podchalk for your free audiobook. And if you can't write that URL down, you can't go to that URL right now. You might be driving. You might be riding your bike. You might be who knows what you might be doing. It doesn't matter, <laughs> but you can go to our website when you do have a chance, podchalk.net. That's easy to remember and check out the links there for the offer as well. Once again, it's audibletrial.com slash or you can go to podchalk.net and find the links there for the offer. And as always, we like to make some kind of recommendation or, um, you know, a possibility of what that free audiobook could be. They have lots of Doctor Who titles and um, well, since we are reviewing The Caretaker and in this story the doctor comes to uh meet Danny Pink finally and um discovers that he's a ex-soldier uh he's um ne- not necessarily a PE teacher but uh but he's he is an ex-soldier and um you know so this is the beginning of a our friendship if not a strained friendship perhaps you know being that he's a soldier and the doctor's um not too keen on on soldiers but so that brings us to um to one of his ultimate soldier friends, or companions, if you will, the Brigadier. And so that's going to be sort of our recommendation for this, this uh, week's show. Um, it's not a story, it's not an audiobook about the Brigadier. It's more of a, um, it's it's something that generally behind the scenes of Doctor Who. It's called Doctor Who at the BBC, Volume 8, Lost Treasures. And this includes all different snippets of behind-the-scenes um, interviews and other recordings that were collected over time and it's not um it it contains uh, an interview with Nicholas Courtney who plays the brigadier um but as well as uh John Pertwee, Tom Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant, Matt Smith um it's narrated by Louise Jameson who plays Leela um it also contains interviews with Karen Gillan um Lala Ward uh Jenna Coleman um, well, a whole lot more Stephen Moffat, Russell T. Davies. So there's a lot in here. And, um, but let's, um, preview a little bit of it. And this is, um, Louise Jameson narrating, as I said. And this is a little, um, piece of an interview with, um, uh, Nicholas Courtney, who plays Brigadier Alistair Lethberg-Stuart, um, the ultimate soldier, if you will, and, um, his, uh, friendship with the Doctor.
2: Nicholas was another stalwart of Doctor Who conventions and he also met up with David Latham of BBC Wiltshire Sound back in 1989
3: now on with the show and we've got all right hello what's this Uh, yes are you the chappy responsible for this radio show i am i am and who pray are you sir who am i lethbridge stewart brigadier united nations intelligence task force a personal friend of the doctor But, but you're retired aren't you i mean didn't they throw you out of the submarine service oh you heard about that yes yes i was um caught sleeping with the windows open now, what are you? What are you in civilian life then? Happy, happy, very happy. <laughs> well, look, I can't stand around talking to you. Later, I've got to find that dash doctor. He's probably lost himself again. Now, look, you behave yourself, or I'll have you arrested. Now, stand aside. There's a good fellow. We're joined by the brigadier, Nicholas Courtney, Nick. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. We had a bit of fun earlier on, didn't we? But, uh, Absolutely. You're, yeah. you're a bit of a comedian, aren't you? Oh, yes. I love, com- I love comedy. I love it. I, I've done so much of it, and I guess I'm learning about it. Actually, I'm a terribly frustrated classical actor. I like to do the Shakespeare parts, but they won't employ me. So I've learned comedy instead. Well, I hope I have. Now, you've appeared in many episodes yes. of Doctor Who. Do you take the part very seriously? Um, yes, yes, I play him for real, you see. I don't do a sort of Monty Python on the Brigadier. I mean, you look at army commanders down the centuries, they've made lots of mistakes. Um, and the humour that comes out of the Brigadier, I hope, is the fact that he gets it wrong. But that's why you like it. He he gets it wrong, he just usually gets it wrong. For example, very briefly, tell me to stop talking if you want to. There was a scene once where they arrive on an alien planet and all hell's breaking loose, and they all know they're in trouble. And the Brigadier says, now calm down, everyone, calm down. I've had a recce outside, and I'm fairly sure that's Chroma. Now, that was my line I wrote, actually, because I thought he got it wrong again. He thought it was Chroma, and of course, it's some terrible planet. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas, you actually appeared in Doctor Who before you played the Brigadier, didn't yeah. you? Yes, I did. Yes, I in a, uh, one called Dalek Master Plan, which was uh, a character called Brett Vine, who was killed off after four episodes. And, but then I came back as the brigadier, or the colonel first. Then he became brigadier. What about when you played the brigadier? Because they needed this this unit, the United Nations yes. Intelligence Task Force. Yeah. Um, you worked with was John Pertwee first. Oh, no, Patrick. That. Um, uh, Patrick Trouten. Yes, Patrick Travers first. The uh, the first one was a, with Patrick Trouten was called Web of Fear. It was about the Yeti. It took place in the London Underground. And I was a colonel then. And it was only supposed to be for one, as far as I knew, one. Story. That's all. But then they, John Pope was about to take over. So they then had a, another one with. I had another story with Pat Trud, uh, which was a dummy run.
0: For... So once again, this that was a clip from Doctor Who at the BBC, Volume Eight: Lost Treasures. And that could be your free audiobook selection, or any of that any other title that you like to choose that they have um, to offer for this promotion. Uh, you can go to um, audibletrial.com slash for your free audiobook. Again, to download your free audiobook, simply go to com slash for your free audiobook. And now let's get back to our review of the Caretaker. So I have a plan. We're gonna play another clip and then we'll open it up to uh to callers
2: you have a thing or a I'm plan? i A thing? <laughs> a thing? Let's go somewhere fun. What do you say? Do you want to see the Thames frozen over? Oh, those frost fairs uh, Come on, the school box thing. It's a time machine. We can get back straight away like we always do on your things. Just make sure you don't get yourself a tan or anything or lose a little. Oh, I don't think we should, not this time. You've never said no before, not even the middle of dinner. Remember when you had to eat two meals in a row? I
1: just think, put the school in danger. <sighs>
2: Danny! He already knows I'm here, that's why he's talking
1: like that, he's being clever.
2: Now you mention it, being a Time Lord, I can feel a light shield aura when it's right
1: next to me. Time Lord! Might have known. Might have known. What? Well, the accent's good, but you can always spot the aristocracy, it's in the... ...the attitude. Danny. Now, um, Time Lords, do you
2: salute those? Definitely not. Sir! You do not call me sir.
1: As you wish, sir, absolutely sir!
2: And you can get out of my...
1: TARDIS! Oh, immediately, sir! Doctor, this is stupid! This is unfair! One thing, Clara. I'm a soldier guilty as charged. You see him? He's an officer. I am not an officer! I- I'm the one who carries you out of the fire. He's the one who lights it. Out! No. Right away, sir. Straight now. Yes. Am I dismissed? Yes, you are! That's him. Look at him right now.
6: Oh.
1: That's who he is.
2: On
0: balance, I think that went quite well. You were
5: saying Dave? Uh, I got a vibe from uh, Human Nature, Family of Blood there, with the way he's speaking to an officer, yes sir, yes sir. The way they were talking in that 1914 episode of the old school. uh, Baines, I think it was, that Uh talked like that.
0: Yeah, and there we see once again the doctor... uh, you know, trying to fit in as a human in a, sc- in a school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, as far as he knew, I think he was. I
5: think the reference. I think I think they referenced that in the, the Doctor Who extra. Yes, by the way, they did. They, they referenced did. a few uh, mentions about uh, the Doctor being, you know, in schools and so on.
0: Yeah. Um, so I don't have BBC America. So I, I some uh, we had a listener who um, contacted me on where to find the extra. You know, where to find. That I know I get it on on um iTunes. Uh Doctor Who Extra is called. It's like a ten to ten, eleven, maybe 12, 13 minutes long, depending on, on the sh- on the episode. And it's a little behind the scenes thing. It's um uh it's available on iTunes and that's how I get it. But um and you get Dave, I think you mentioned it was on the BBC Red button.
5: It's on the BBC Red button and it's on the BBC iPlayer and put iTunes yeah, that's C-W. that's what I said. I,
0: it's listed on Amazon, but it says not available I and mean, there's no price next to it. So I'm assuming that maybe it's exclusive to iTunes for the time being. And then once it, once that period is over, they'll have it available on Amazon. But it's um, it's it's listed on Amazon, but it's, it says not available when I when I go and check. All right, uh, OK, OK. Well, I should remind everyone that while we're recording this live you can if if you can't join us live and you want to call in still and and have your say, you still feel feel free to do this. We do this at four p m on Sundays the day after the new episode, so it's the phone number take note of this is seven the area code is seven two four 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 seven four 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 and the show call i d number is two three three five eight. So again, that's 724-444-7444 is the phone number, and the call ID is 23358. And to put yourself in the queue if you're calling and you're not using, you know, you're not doing it through the internet, through the web, um, web page, is a uh, star 8, I believe, asterisk 8 on your keypad will put you in the queue to talk. And as always, um, PodChalk supporting subscribers will be bumped up in the queue. So we appreciate the support. And to that end, let's let's get some people on the show. And joining us once again, Kyle is back. So let's hear what Kyle has to say about the caretaker. Welcome back, Kyle.
4: Good afternoon. Welcome, welcome. Good to see or have you guys with me again this afternoon. Sorry about last week. I had some trouble downloading the episode from Time Heist from iTunes, and I didn't get my second viewing in before uh, Podshock started. But back to last night's episode... As an episode overall, I thought it was good. I'm still having trouble with the whole dynamic between the Doctor and um, Clara. I agree with what Dave said. I just don't feel that uh, Capaldi has taken the Doctor's reins, so to speak, uh, just yet, and taken charge of the TARDIS. I'm I'm just not feeling... I'm I'm wanting to feel it. I'm I'm wanting to be excited about it, but I'm just not feeling like I did with Tennant or even Eccleston or Matt Smith. I'm just not feeling it yet. So, um that's that's my my review I guess is short and sweet, but um you know, I'm just not feeling it yet. And I'm hoping in these next uh six episodes to come that my opinion totally changes, but I'm just not there yet.
0: Now, what would change that? Would it be more scenes of him um, controlling the TARDIS, or um, being more familiar with it, or 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 it's just a sense? It's just something that you, you know, feel I'm in really, the back of your spine. And, and it's, you know,
6: I'm
4: really not sure. Um, I'm looking at it from the perspective of last season. I really like Clara and um, the whole deep breath episode. I, you know I think you'll remember my comments from then. It was a kind of a turn off for Clara for me, and you know I don't I mean I like Danny I like the com, you know the development between them, just as I like Rory and Amy, but there's just something missing that's just not connecting for me with the doctor and Clara. Maybe I need to go back and watch these six episodes again in order. maybe I'm missing something, but I'm just not quite feeling it and I'm not liking not feeling it but I'm just not feeling it well
0: do you think it's um, because of the introduction of Danny because before it was just Clara and the doctor and now there's like another character that's wedging between the two could that be it
4: you know I, I don't really think that I really think it's something between the you know the chemistry between the actor and the actress I don't you know and it could be totally not you know, my issue may be totally not have anything to do with, you know, Jenna Coleman and Capaldi. It could be the way it's being written, and it may be mm-hmm. resolved, you know, toward the end. I'm just, you know, not feeling that same, you know, it just doesn't feel like Doctor Who to me just yet. And, um, you know, like I said, maybe I need to go back and watch it again, kind of, you know, re- rethink it a little bit. But, you know, after watching last night, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was a great episode i I thought there was great character development, but I was still missing something and I'm just not quite sure what that something is yet, but it just felt like something was missing
0: mm-hmm. no i well i I can understand that i um i i I did enjoy this story uh, the um uh, i like I said, and if I was up to me, I probably would have done it slightly different. Because it 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 felt in the end, even though I did enjoy it, it, it did feel like there, there was like a missing element somewhere, and I'm not exactly sure what that was. It, maybe it was the side story that wasn't fully developed. I don't know, but I don't. I, it's I don't know.
4: But but you know, I think um, you know, I think the, all the actors are doing a great job. I, I enjoyed seeing the cameo, and I know we haven't dis- discussed that yet. But of the person um, toward the and that they showed rather briefly Uh and uh, you know I know several people have mentioned not liking the overall arc and maybe that is what I'm missing is I did enjoy the mystery Uh, look back at um, Matt uh, the second season Matt was on there we had the whole Who is River Song Uh, played out and all of that you know and maybe that's maybe that's what I'm missing is the you know build up and the expectation and all of that so, I and mean, that might be my element that I'm missing but as a story I thought it was great I thought they did a good job and you know it, it was an enjoyable episode so and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to next week
0: yeah it looks, it looks interesting next week and we got a brief well, mention of that, didn't we
4: <laughs> yes we did we did and well what I will try to do before next week is to w- watch all the uh, episodes in order so that if I can kind of See something that I've missed and change my opinion a little bit before uh next sunday
0: okay, very good well we we'll look here we'll look forward to right, hearing, good deal. well look forward to hearing what you have to say all right. well
4: good deal good to talk good talking to you both. have a good week, and I'll see you next sunday
0: all right thank you Thanks, Kyle. Kyle. Cheers all right. I would say,
1: yes, I'm afraid Courtney is a disruptive influence. Yeah, but last year you said she was a very
3: disruptive influence.
0: So I suppose that counts as an improvement.
1: Excuse me, I think the caretaker wants. Kristadulun, I think um, I think the caretaker wants me to. Oh, well, what about my Angelina? Yeah, she's great. Yeah. really great girl. A plus, ten out of ten, top of the class. Sorry. Although actually, handwriting could be better.
2: I'm sure they'll be back in a moment. Looks like our Courtney was right about those two. Clara, the vortex is opening. He says Thursday night. Right, all oh, quick. He shut up. Clara, he'll scan the area. If he gets to parents evening, it'll kill them all. We've oh, got to evacuate. Shut up.
1: Quickly, what do I do?
2: <laughs> he'll be here any second. Get to the hall. Give us some squirts of helicon energy. Setting number 41. No more than three seconds each, random pulses. Distract it, then you lead it away from the hall. Give me two minutes. Just run straight to the target.
1: Your gadget isn't ready yet,
2: 24 hours, you said? Yes, well, I've revised that down to two minutes. Probably, Clara, go. On my way. Are you using it like a decoy? No, not like a decoy, as a decoy. Don't they teach you anything, it's stupid school. Well, is there anything I can do? Yes, yes, and this is very, very important. Leave us alone.
0: <laughs> so yeah, uh, there, there we go with the doctor and scolding this uh, male uh, interest that is coming between him and and his companion. Uh, D- D- Dave, you didn't care for the alien design. I, I thought the 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 that robot, the bottom, the the way it traveled. I thought I, I thought that was pretty cool the way they did that and and how it had this like base and like. Like spider feet almost, and um, I, th- I thought they did that. I thought I
5: thought that was excellent, but they couldn't shoot, use it, could they? Because it, the, the feet weren't touching the ground, so they couldn't they couldn't show it in effect. Um, you, you saw a little skittering movement, but um, yeah. Uh, but I, my main complaint was the, the face and and this sort of twinky uh, twinky.
0: Type of talking biddy 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 was that Buck Rogers or whatever? <laughs> yeah, it was that was Buck Rogers. I I didn't think of that, but yeah, it's it's it, it's 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 like shorthand when they need to kind of um, you know it's it, it goes back to like I get I don't know who started, but I I think you know I think of Lost in Space with. Kill, um, ah, oh, forgot what? It was. Kill, destroy, danger, d- danger, world. Yeah. No, no, but they had this this robot, and oh. that that would just you know, um, have this m- mantra that it would just say what it was thinking, you know, and it, it 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 seems to happen a lot in science fiction where you have robots that just talk out loud their instructions, you know, so you know what's since the you know they can't really emote, yeah. facially or any other way. I guess that's the way to get across what they're thinking
5: even in stealth mode they say what they're going to do
0: yes (laughs) all right well um, going into uh, the queue here next is Davros 1179 welcome back to the show Davros 1179
7: hi guys how are you Uh, welcome
0: back good to hear you fine thanks thank
7: you great glad to hear thanks for having me on Oh, my Um, pleasure. I really, I actually, I did like this episode. Um, I think ever since Listen, I've been on board uh, with Capaldi. Uh, Before that, I wasn't too sure about uh, how I felt about how he played the Doctor, and uh, I, I kind of kept feeling like they were scripts meant for Matt Smith that Capaldi just happened to be playing. Mm -hmm. But ever since Listen. I've felt that um, they've really been more written for Capaldi, and I've been on board with him since then, and that didn't change in this episode. I still felt like we were getting more of what Capaldi is making the Doctor. Um, I was disappointed in his deep cover uh, situation because it's been proven in Classic Who many times that the Doctor can— Change into a disguise and do so successfully. John Perthley did it. Yes. Uh, Tom Baker changed his outfit. Uh, Towns of Wen Chiang, he completely puts on a, uh, a Sherlock Holmes type outfit. I mean, he doesn't necessarily go undercover and play a detective, but it's proof that the doctor does not have to keep his outfit on and just put something over it. The doctor can change clothes. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> and, and I was a little the master
5: the master the master is another time lord is is uh, really adept at doing that
7: yeah so i was a little disappointed that it, literally it was the doctor's standard outfit with a with a brown coat on um i was i, I thought they i thought they maybe could have could have shown me you know, that the doctor do, does act um with uh, you know it can be a little more clever than that but but it was it was it, it worked for the story because of the interplay between himself and Clara um, I agree with Dave I didn't like the monster the robot um, I know it was it was necessary to have something there to give the doctor a reason to be there I just wish it would have been something else something a little more terrifying maybe or something a little scarier it 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 I, I like the I like the bottom half concept of the robot. Um, Back in the late 90s, I remember uh, seeing some concept art um, video clips of a spider Dalek that had a very similar bottom and moved with these spider leg uh, type movements. So it kind of reminded me of that, and I thought that was cool. But from the torso up, it kind of looked like Twiggy shoved on top of a metal spider. And I hated that. I I didn't... There was nothing scary about seeing some Buck Rogers special effects on top of some cool leg. So that kind of let me down a little bit. But other than that, I thought the episode was acted well. Um, It was nice. It was... uh, It was nice to finally be able to see Danny get into the whole TARDIS scene and not not have to deal with this... uh, Clara evading or lying to him, uh, so to speak, on dates and things as to why she was late or, you know, why why she had her coat on 30 seconds ago and now she doesn't and things like this. Now he knows. He's in the know. He knows what's going on. And the the only part I didn't like about it is that he seemed to take it in his stride. There, there wasn't a whole lot of sh- shock really going on other than the initially— at the school, they have the little shock moment after he saw the inside of the TARDIS, but then they have the scene at home. She's explaining, this is what I do. I travel with this guy. I see wonders and everything. And he's just more concerned of what she thinks of him. He's the the shock of, oh, my God, you, I'm dating a woman that travels around with an alien in some time shift that I just saw half an hour ago doesn't seem to be phasing him at all anymore he's back to worrying about his relationship I thought I thought there should have been a little more shock value there because mm-hmm. usually when somebody finds out about the TARDIS and the doctor and everything there's there's a little more of, of, of a cooling down period that's necessary and it just didn't it, it almost seemed like it it was okay with him almost instantly and I thought that was a little odd
5: um, that, that presupposes that Danny is from our time, though. I mean, I'm not entirely certain that they've said much about his soldiering and whether his soldiering was, you know, in a galaxy far, far away or not. So.
7: Possibly, possibly. I mean, with uh, with what we saw in the episode, listen, um, kind of makes us wonder, kind of makes you think what kind of character Danny is. If this is where his future line goes and where his past comes from, makes you kind of wonder if there's more to him that we don't know about. And that could very well be. That would—that would be a typical—a typical Moffat twist, is that Danny turns out to be something far more incredible than we had any clue about.
0: I guess time will tell.
7: Did you want to give it a rating? Uh, I think I'd, I'd give it about a three out of five. Uh, entertaining, good script, uh, enjoyable, but just had just enough elements that kind of left me hanging a little bit to only give it a three.
0: Very good. All right. Well, thank you, Davros. Okay.
7: Thank you. Cheers.
0: Kyle had mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, that he was uh, he felt. He's missing the story arc in the whole, you know, in 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 previous the the you know that we saw at the end here. We, the, there's the heaven scene again, and we, even though she doesn't have any lines, we do see Missy again. And I, I just wanted to be clear that it's not that I dislike Missy and um, you know, and and, and whatever they they leading up to with this is just that uh, for me personally, though, I I just think we could do a whole series without any overall story arc or. Or, or just save it for the last few episodes and it doesn't have to be a all-encompassing thing. Though I'm glad that the last few episodes didn't have any, but, um, you know, uh, um, to each their own. I, I, I think, um, you know, we had the Key to Time series and we had, um, the, you know, the the, the the first series of Tom Baker, which had a few, you know, which I do enjoy, stories that lead into others and uh, that um, there may be some overlapping elements in them which is fine uh it, it's just it just gets a little routine though i thought and in um since doctor who's been back you know um you know ever since um 2005 it seems like each series we have a background story arc that's um spread across the whole series
5: yeah and kyle by the way um is pretty rating in text uh three out of five
0: Yes, we forgot to ask Kyle about how he would rate it. Oh, yes, we'll go right into Darth, and then uh, I was going to play another clip, but we'll we'll do Darth and play a clip, and then Robert. Welcome back, Darth. Mr. Darth Skeptical.
8: No, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, why not let Robert go first, because I've talked about this episode once today, so let Robert have a a go first, if you don't mind.
0: Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I see you did put that in, in chat and chat i failed to read it <laughs> all right we'll be right back with darth so hold on to your hats <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> it's all right robert only you could be so bold oh wrong wrong <laughs> <One> quote Quote. <laughs> <laughs> hi welcome back robert I to the show
6: it. thank you and i thank doc darth for letting me go uh, <laughs> thanks darth <laughs> Yeah, it's been, what, a couple of episodes since I've been on, but I wanted to come on say hi and tell you how I feel about this episode. I'm glad you did. Um, generally, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad I was able to make it on, and I hope you guys are doing well as well. Good, yes. Great. You know what? Sometimes words can't explain an episode or a story. Sometimes it's music that can explain this, and if you don't mind, Lewis, if I could play um, this real quick, because it will explain the episode to you, how I feel about it. So, is it okay if I play this clip? It's about sure. 33 seconds. Okay. Not very long.
1: 13 Vanderman Road is where Sarah Jane Smith lives, and it's home for things way beyond your imagination. There's an extraterrestrial supercomputer in the wall. A genetically engineered boy genius, a schoolgirl investigator across the road, and a whole universe of adventure right here on the doorstep.
6: Ready?
0: Always. And that pretty much explains the episode. Yeah, you felt felt it was very much a Sarah Jane adventure story.
6: Yes, I did.
0: Yeah, I did have that feeling. I kept on waiting for her to appear with a lipstick and um, unfortunately she didn't but I, she was in my mind while watching this, definitely.
5: And that and that, and that as G V G says, that's not necessarily to put Sarah Jane Adventures down because they were excellent. Mm-hmm. No, oh yeah. They I were. Them. yeah. Yeah. But 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 seem, seemingly a bit childish the the alien robot.
6: Mm-hmm. And we add the kid on finding out who the doctor is and finding out towards the end she can't handle space travel um, hence the space sickness thing there which I just can't picture the kids with Capaldi for some reason I could see it more with maybe, maybe David Tennant and Matt Smith but I just don't seem to fit Capaldi you know and I, I just didn't wasn't too crazy about that towards the end but, um, yeah, that's why I say it just reminds me of uh, a Sarah Jane adventure, uh, pretty much in the veins of maybe Closing Time or The Lodger, very much in that. Well, didn't Gareth Roberts uh, write both of those? Trey, he wrote, he wrote Bryson, The Lodger? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he wrote a lot of Sarah Jane adventure yeah. stories as well. Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes me think maybe he was thinking that in the back of his mind as he was writing this. He was thinking, well, you know what? This would have been good for Sarah Jane, but since Elizabeth Slayton's no longer around and the series is not going on, maybe I can fit this into, um, you know. Well, it could Doctor just be Who his
0: style that, that that seems to, you know, seems to be could prevalent. have been a
6: story he'd already written for Sarah Jane, yeah, and just adapted mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Very much. And, and, I mean, you know, it, it just felt that way. It was a very average story, and, 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 The doctor in this situation very much feels like, you know, remember when the doctor made appearances on Sarah Jane, um, both the David Tennant and the Matt Smith doctor, and it it just felt that way with this story. You know, I I felt that Jenna was kind of the Sarah Jane, and then you have the only thing missing is the kid detectives kind of going around with her. I mean, in the sense that she's trying to, to juggle between you know, her adventures in the TARDIS and her real life, and we've seen that with um, Rory, how unsuccessful that was, and I think she's starting to discover that it's very hard, if not very impossible, to try to juggle both at the same time, so Mm. I kind of... See that in this. I think
5: I think it coloured the episode, but I, I still think this episode had an awful lot going for it. I mean, I, I still rated it. In, I never said my rate. I, I gave four and a half out of five. So I think it's a very strong story. Uh, those were just the weaker elements of it to me. But as like you said, they weren't. The threat really was. It could have been any threat, but maybe this threat just you know made one think a little bit more about Sarah Jane adventures and. Uh, as jvg7 says not to say that they weren't great stories but um you know in doctor Who, he, he, i think he wanted something a little bit more vicious looking and 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 certainly in the way it
6: spoke to be a little bit more menacing yeah besides the killer robot situation that seems to be done time and time again in in the series and other series as well and i mean you guys mentioned about Twee and buck rogers and and stuff like that. but, And also, I'm not very happy with this relationship between Danny Pink and uh, Clara. I very much feel it's being forced on us, um, just like past Doctor Who's with the situation of Susan, Leela, Joe Grant, and I'm kind of getting... I mean, I don't have nothing against the romance of the past with the Doctor and companions. That didn't bother me as much as... We don't know for sure if or if Jenna Coleman is leaving, but if they're trying to find a way to let her go and trying to push on the Danny situation, and it may not be that way. I'm just basically giving conjecture. It Mm -hmm. could be where um, maybe Danny will become a permanent um, companion and maybe there will be a rift between the doctor and Clara, which seems to be developing a little bit. There seems to be a little rift kind of developing, and I'm thinking that's what they're trying to do um, with this, and maybe the arc thing with the Missy and the Heaven and all that thing will bring to a head towards the end of the series. And if you notice, Missy didn't look very happy at the end. If you looked at her face as she came out that hallway, she was not a happy person. So evidently something developed, and um, I don't know what it is, but maybe we'll find it out in the later episodes. But so far this season, I've been very average with the stories from um, Deep Breath into the dialect, um, Robot of Sherwood, Listen, Time Heist, and this episode. They've all been within, you know, three, um, pretty much average, and I had to rate this a three and a half out of five. To me, it just seems to be... This season, for some reason, has been very average. And it's not the doctor. It's not the quality. I think he's great, and I really enjoy his trail the doctor. It's coming down to me, the scripts and the stories. I'm just not liking them as much as I did last season. And at least last season, there was a couple where they were fours close to fives. This season, it's just been very average for me. Yeah, I... even listen. Mm hmm. Even listen. Wow. It's like on, last
5: off week.
6: with you, off with you, off, on, off. <laughs> it, it, it's like last week with, you know, Time Heist, it very much felt like The God Complex, Ring of Akatar, Hyde, Star Trek Encounter on Farpoint, The Fields of Ocean 11, Johnny Nomatic, you know, heist movies. It just all seems to be, you know... It's okay to go into past and... You know, add, but when Muppet don't seem to be doing anything fresh. He seems to be relying on his past victories. I mean, we need an empty child again. We need, um, you ah. know, girl in the fireplace. We need Blink. We need something that's a little bit more different than what we're getting right now. So, do you not think
5: this is because we're in this transition? You know, the redirection of the the Doctor all the way back to the origin story. Uh, I mean. Well that's the way to me That they've, they've spent two or three weeks Not on a story arc as such That's just been the tail end thing about Missy But the main thing seems to have been You know To, to, to bring us all the way back to Coal Hill School All the way back to Teachers travelling with the doctor Maybe even have some education I mean even we had some education in this one Didn't we? I don't think I mentioned it before that he, um, You know he says about the frost fairs So the kids might be yeah. looking up What the frost fairs were in London the but, the is, but the thing is,
6: but the thing is, what Moffat is, um, he thinks we're or the new Watchers are secure in the fact of the new series. So, and it's great that we have fans that are running the show now. I think it's wonderful that you know they have the same feel that we do about it. But he's thinking, well, let's I can since I got him hooked into. This new series, which is still, even though it's 10 years, it's still kind of fairly new considered how long the older Doctor Who ran um, that I can add some of the past elements and people will pick that up and it'll be something new to the new people coming into Doctor Who but I don't know It's. I guess it's just a juggling game like anything else when you're trying to juggle you know the classic and today's Doctor Who you you don't want to put off certain people but then again you know you want to bring newer audiences in as well and from what I'm seeing it, it's not that the ratings haven't been going up but it looks like it's been going down a little bit not much but just slight slippage on certain episodes so I don't know just do, you, I say what do you say spillage do you say spillage
0: I'm getting some paper towels
6: But anyway, I, that's just how I feel about the series. It's been very average to me, so I'm hoping maybe it'll pick up towards the end.
0: You will see um, what the future brings. I, I know. I, I mean, I agree with you to respect that. For me, it's been middle of the road uh, for the most part. If you listen to all the reviews I've done so far for the series, it's. I, I don't. Maybe I hit a four, and but at the same time, I, it, I You know. Hasn't been great, but it hasn't been terrible either. So it's sort of been um, in the middle, bounce, bouncing between, you know, in the middle there somewhere. I mean, I would yeah, like to see a break a breakout story that would put it, you know, that would that would you know that I would proclaim it to be a five or or even a four and a half.
6: Hmm. Well, we'll see what next week brings. It looks from the trailer pretty interesting, but uh, I think what's hurting me is the stories this season, not The Doctor. I think um, Capaldi, Capaldi's great. i uh-huh. enjoy his version. The Doctor, it's just what's being written so far. And it's very curious, too, that Steven's putting the co-writership this season as compared to the previous season where he didn't put his name on it. So, I don't know if it's because of the arc he's inserting in here or maybe um, he had control or helped down the path and didn't put his name on you know past grips and either he's trying to hit his legacy or maybe he was told he needed to start
0: doing that. I don't know. Yeah, I I've been noticing his you know that there's a lot of co written scripts with him. Mm-hmm. All right, Robert,
6: thank you so well, much. That's it. I just want to thank you guys for letting me come on and um telling my my side of the series. Like I said it felt very much Sarah Jane to me, so
0: Yes. I, I like I said I was feeling her, and I was, I was, you know, expecting her to, to t- turn up somewhere there. And and since um, you know, <laughs> they 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 didn't really, you know, kill her character. You know, unfortunately, um, you, you can't have her in it. But you know, because of obviously we lost Elizabeth Sladen, unfortunately. But it, it would yeah, have
6: been... I do miss her. I always enjoyed her acting very much. Yeah.
0: Alright, well, thank you Welcome again, Robert. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Bye. Bye.
7: Bye. Final input code missing. Emergency terminate. Initiate self
5: destruct in 9. Eight, I forgot the final input code. Shoot,
3: do it now!
1: I need time to distract a car! Hey, what can I do? Boy, Starbucks,
7: over here! Under attack.
2: Artificer! Stop! Confirm! Override! Final input code! Code accepted. On board, self-destruct.
3: Orders
5: accepted. Stop! 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 Oh, my
1: God! Oh you were amazing! Oh my You're so brilliant! Oh, yeah, I was okay, wasn't I? <laughs> I was behind you every step away. way. had to make sure you were safe. You okay? Okay.
4: Just, okay.
1: (laughs) It's all right, it doesn't matter. I don't need him to like me. It doesn't matter if he likes me or hates me. I just need to do exactly one thing for you. Doctor, am I right? Yes. What, what one thing? I need to be good enough for you. That's why he's angry just in case I'm not. He, uh,
4: he did just save the whole world.
5: Yeah,
0: yeah. Good start. See, it doesn't feel like he just saved the whole world. He just, to me, it just seems like he saved the school. You know, it, it, the, what I'm getting at is that the alien... Threat didn't seem that menacing as far as threatening. Home. No,
5: it said if, if, if it had the destructive power for the whole planet.
0: Yeah, but I, I just didn't get that feeling coming across. I didn't feel, I didn't really have that much problem with the design. I like I said, I did like the base of it. It did have to me. It had like more of a um, like a, a Star Wars feel to it. You know, that that crawling base element to it. Uh, the top part could have been done a little bit differently. The, um, we had a. a a little behind-the-scenes stuff for those that didn't see the extra. That there's a little person that's controlling, that's acting in the in the top part G- of that.
5: Jimmy, Jimmy V, who has yes. been in Doctor
0: who a lot. Yeah, he's um had, has um, a history in Doctor who since it's come back. All right, let's um, hopefully Darth is still with us, and we'll get him on board. Welcome back, Darth.
8: I think I am still with you. Okay, good. Very good. Um, yeah, you know, I'm going to go on the opposite end of the fence here with uh, Robert and say I really love the thing. I mean, I, in fact, I, I guess my opinion would be even different from yours, Lewis, in that— I think that this wasn't a middling episode. I don't think it was three. I don't think it was four. I think it was five. Um, And the main reason for that is just because this is the kind of thing that I expected for Stephen Moffat to write uh, when he was announced as the showrunner, because I kind of figured that what he would be doing is pulling in um, some of his um, experience with. Coupling and other shows that dealt with relationships mm-hmm. and setting that against time traveling. And I don't think that he particularly did it very well with the Amy and Roy relationship. I think that we were meant to believe in season five, that there was some kind of romantic triangle going on there, uh, but it was brought up and easily dismissed. And then other little things that happened with Amy and Roy were um, kind of in the, rush mode as well, such as their inexplicable divorce um, in Asylum with Alex, which yeah. made you know that whole story feel incredibly rushed and just without any kind of basis in real emotion. Whereas I think what we've gotten here with Clara and Danny has been a progression uh, of relationship that makes some sense. You know, it, We're waiting until Series six to really sorry, episode six to really get more immersed with that relationship or to see that relationship blossom to the point that actually Clara could say that she loves the guy. And it kind of makes some sense because that wonderful montage that we got at the pre-title sequence allowed us to believe in the passage of time Um to the point that you would think, okay, these people really are together and they're, you know, six months down the road or three months or whatever it is, a number of months, not a number of days from where they were the last time that we saw them. Yeah. Um, and and that progression of romance is something that I've been sort of desperate to see for a very long time in tatu, um but certainly something that I just did not understand not working earlier in the Moffat run, so it's good to see him finally you know get there <laughs> um I think that the episode was incredibly funny, it was incredibly literate um there were and I think that the direction was in many ways impeccable um and that's been sort of the hallmark so far of Series 8, is that the technical side of things has been going on particularly well. Uh, the mm-hmm. directors that they've lined up have not missed, I don't think, any beat whatsoever. And they've run things from the script that probably lesser directors wouldn't have seen. Um A particular example from this episode is... You know, there's that scene where Clara and Danny are talking in the apartment and they're trying to, um, or Clara is trying to assure him that there is no distinction between how she is with him and how she is with the doctor. Sure. And there's that lovely moment, you know, where you're cutting back and forth really between um, her being directly filmed and her. Reflection in the glass pane being filmed. That was done very well. So that you're getting the visual clue that, in fact, she's probably lying to herself. In fact, there is, you know, one Clara for one thing and one Clara for another thing. And the way that the director is flipping back and forth between real Clara and reflected Clara is kind of brilliant, uh, Mm -hmm. especially given the editing that makes each one of those moments in the reflection... Um, speak to what she's actually saying. So that every time she's being reflected, she's talking about her life with the doctor. Whereas when she's talking about her life with him, it's the real her. It's very clever. It's really, it's one of the, my favorite things that I've seen in terms of direction in, in quite a while in Doctor Who. Um, and the other thing is the audio continues to impress me as well. It's weird because you listen to some... Um, Podcast. I think in particular the Doctor Who podcast, and they are on some kind of vendetta to prove that the audio in Series 8 is awful, that it's too – the mix is all wrong and all this stuff. And I got to tell you, it is the most impressive thing. It really is. Week after week, I find something that is at least a little bit impressive. Some weeks, like, listen – oh, my God, that is just – Drop dead gorgeous in terms of its audio design. Yes. If you have, you know, at least a five point one surround system, and you play listen in a three C or whatever, um, you're going to be blown away. I mean, just seriously blown away by the pinpoint accuracy of the uh, positional effects of the audio track.
0: And it's there throughout the whole this story. One, it's it's it's. I, I but, described it as another this, character but, in the story. I described the soundtrack as another character. It just was always there, ever present.
8: Absolutely, you know. Whereas, and it's it's so weird that people are saying uh, it's horrible. I can barely make out what he's saying. Uh, the fact that he's got a Scottish accent on top of the, the the bad sound mix makes it hard for me to understand what's going on. It's, I mean, I I understand it because I went to a theatrical presentation of Deep Breath, and that particular theater had a bad speaker in it. And if you you know you don't you don't have it balanced right, yeah, it is hard to hear. But if you've got it balanced right, if you've got a decent system, and you don't even have to have the whole system, you could just have surround sound headphones. Um it, you'll pick out just so much stuff. One of the one of the standout things from this episode was there's that explosion and the um the chair comes right at the camera. Yeah. Um and that just plays so well in surround sound because it literally feels like that chair is coming right at you. It's, yeah, I've, it's so great.
0: You hear in the real speakers.
8: Yeah, you absolutely do. Uh, and I just I cannot give enough praise to how much the sound team at BBC Wales is maturing and improving. So just that, and then on on top of that, I mean, you know, these are these are technical things that I like to look at. They're not necessarily the things that make or break an episode, because we are, at the end of the day, talking about Doctor Who, which is certainly a dodgy history when it comes to, uh, you know, production values. Uh, but nevertheless it's great to see that is the hallmark of the Moffat era is not so much the story it's not so much the acting even a, a, as improved versus the RTD era it's really production values right it's it's all about you know hiring Michael Pickwood getting him to come in to redress the TARDIS and, and you know almost week after week not so much last week but pretty much the other weeks of this season i've been more and more impressed at set decoration at the TARDIS you know because this doctor is, in some stories, putting books all over the place. In some stories, you know, the the chalkboards are coming out and being more prominent. In this story, you know, you had a workbench, which, my God, why didn't the doctor always have some kind of workbench in the target? I mean, mm-hmm. it makes you think back to whatever. Um, let's pick a story, Destiny of the Daleks, right, when he's got canine getting laryngitis on the floor, right? Uh, Why doesn't he, why did Tom Baker, instead of, you know, suffering his knees, and we know that he now has bad knee problems, and some of it may be due to having to talk to K-9 for so long, (laughs) why why did he not just say, the doctor would have a table, give me a workbench, obviously. John Persley got a workbench, why do I not get a workbench? You know, and it's great to see Peter Capaldi You know, using the TARDIS console as a thing, as an organic thing to help him solve problems and get to the end of the story and all this stuff. So it's – and all that has to do with production design, really. It has to do with the will of the production designer looking at the script and saying, you know what, I need to get my set decorators to get in there and to, to suggest that he's working, you know? Um, And and it makes the whole thing uh, seem more real, on top of the fact that now you have this very, this exceptionally multi-layered soundtrack for the interior of the TARDIS itself. So you take, you know, the sound mix, which has just got all these brand new sounds in it, right, for the TARDIS, on top of what Pickwood and team are doing in Art Direction. And then you take the brilliance of Pickwood working with, uh, I guess it must have been the Deep Breath cinematographer whose name I've forgotten to relight the TARDIS with gold instead of blue, right? It's just a different world. Even though you haven't really done that much in terms of money, in terms of actually redesigning the set, it is a different world, and it's just glorious. Um, so there's that. But I, I you know, I love the, I love talking about production design. I love talking about you know the the values of the show. But really, at the end of the day, what I really liked about this story was the script was damn brilliant. The script was an absolute equal-handed thing. It was each one of those three characters building a dramatic relationship with the other. So that now, quite differently than uh, with the Amy Rory 11th Doctor situation, you actually have full-fledged points of drama between each one of these characters. So that there is actually a Danny Pink and Doctor relationship that doesn't involve Clara. There is a point of contention between them over military history, right? Maybe even over maths. Um, Uh And you have a a way for that relationship to develop that, yes, certainly it might be tinged by the relationship with Clara, but it it is independent of Clara. You can't say that with Rory. Right There is no relationship between Rory and the 11th Doctor without Amy. Period. There's not. There never was one that was developed.
6: Yeah.
8: Uh, and you you have only a few scenes really where those two guys are together. Whereas you can imagine going forward there could easily be scenes where it's just the 12th Doctor and Danny. And uh-huh. that would be fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, aside from those sort of dramatic ley lines that now are in the uh, writing throughout the series, I just think it was damn funny, right? I mean, there, there's virtually no line in here that wasn't funny. I mean, uh, it's it's hard to, to imagine anything. I mean, all that – and it's not just the lines. It's also a lot of the uh, visual acting. I mean, you know, we, we tend to give the, the championship ring to um, – David Tennant and Catherine Tate for physical acting, for wordless acting. I mean, largely inspired, of course, by their uh, partners in crime mime bit. Uh, But beyond that, going throughout that series, there's a lot of good uh, physical comedy that doesn't involve words. But I think, you know, we're going to have to start thinking about... Uh, giving some appreciation to Jenna Coleman mm-hmm. for that because she's doing a lot of great things that is just facial acting mm-hmm. where she's selling scenes by herself um that scene with her I mean I know that there is dialogue but nevertheless there's a lot of her just acting with her face the scene of her in the classroom when the doctor is up the ladder Oh, my God, that is a brilliant scene, not only in terms of the comedy, but in terms of what it says about their relationship, about the strength of her character versus the will of his. Uh, it, it's it's just a delicious, delicious yes. scene to watch. And uh, the overall impression that I have of this episode is that, really, it's an unearthly child, as you would have liked an unearthly child to have been, right? It, it is episode one of that story being made the entirety of that story, and all the boring bits with the cavemen thrown away, and instead a robot killer thrown down in the middle of it, right? I mean, I know that you can make comparisons to The Lodger. I know that you can, and I have said this myself, that you can say this is Gareth Roberts' third attempt to write a, a workplace comedy um, for Doctor Who. That's one way of looking at it. I think that m- may be a valid way of looking at it, but I think that the more interesting way of looking at it is it really is the way that an a child should have been. And it, it's it's just it's just so much fun. It's really just so much fun to watch this episode. Uh this is the first episode I mean I watched Listen a, a few times afterwards because it was quite good. Um, but the, you know, with listen as you watch it more, you get kind of get some more questions popping up in your mind. There's, there's an extent to which, if you're a Doctor Who fan and you're watching, listen, the ending is kind of problematic a little bit because you're thinking this doesn't match up with other <laughs> stories that I've seen about the early the history of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And so, as a Doctor Who fan, your mind overwhelms your heart with that one. But with this. I just don't have any problems with it. I really don't have any problems with the uh, the creature that's at the center of this because that's not the point. It doesn't yeah. – you know, the The, the thing is it, what this really is like in, in some ways is this is like when you start playing a game online and you get those first easy levels, right? That's what it is for Danny, right? All he has to do is jump over this uh, thing and – He's in, right? Um, It is a very easy introduction for Danny into the world of Clara and the Doctor, and he passes the test, right? That's all this episode has to do. It really—that's it. So the stakes are actually high when you listen to the script, when you listen to how the Doctor is describing this thing and what power this this robot has. The stakes are high, but it just doesn't feel high because— The Doctor has already worked out how to defeat it, and all that needs to happen is for the companions to finesse it at the end, right? That's fine, because all I care about is the progression of the romance. All I care about is the very interesting thing of how does Clara have a real relationship with somebody who doesn't know anything about the TARDIS, doesn't know anything about time travel, will probably freak out because he's so grounded in reality as a soldier, right, and as a math teacher— I mean, especially the math teacher, pit, right? Because it should be impossible to time travel, right? Because of the math. Um, And, you know, how does she rectify that with this guy? How is this guy going to react? And how is the doctor going to deal with the fact that this girl whose ass he was slapping with a towel, not whatever, 10 episodes ago, suddenly is with some other guy, right? Um, It's just... It's a wonderful piece of writing because it kind of answers all that. And it gives every person in the story a thing to do to resolve the story, but also an interesting perspective within the story. And, you know, flat out beyond anything else, it makes Jenna Coleman's character even stronger. Even though she's lying throughout most of the episode, it does make her seem just better than she's ever been before. So I love this episode. I strongly uh, think it's, you know, unfortunately, Day of the Doctor is a relatively recent episode. So is Listen, both of which were great, great episodes. I mean, uh, like all-time great episodes, I think. Um, but, you know, if you broaden it out to m- the entirety of the Moffat era, I think that it's fair to say this is, this one is in my top five of the Moffat as producer era. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff really
5: very good yeah I think there's an awful lot to recommend it I mean I gave it a 4.5 out of 5 so yeah. I only just knocked a half off for the, the Sarah Jane ishness of it not because I don't like Sarah Jane but it just took me out of the story somewhat
8: I never got that vibe, although it's interesting. Well, I never got the vibe that it was a Sarah Jane thing. I kind of reject the notion that this was some Sarah Jane story that he had – Gareth Roberts had lying around and he re-pitched it as Doctor Who. I don't think that happened at all because it's too, too much of it is bound up in the resolution or the discussion of the relationship between Clara and um, Danny, sure. neither of whom has an actual analog in Sarah Jane. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm, probably just a style of that a could writing. Stephen Moffat's contribution. But that's the whole of the story though. It can't be that. Right. Okay. It, yeah. I mean, there's really nothing. I mean, the only thing that I could think that might be Sarah Jane related or, or carryover might be they designed this creature for a Sarah Jane episode. Uh, and therefore, you know, maybe they had to Arthur, use the prop. Yeah, mm-hmm.
5: yeah. Maybe.
8: Maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but there, there are some there's there's a couple of interesting other little point with Sarah Jane, like, uh, you know, the girl here, Courtney Woods, I think is great. Yes. Uh, but I, I wonder in my heart if this isn't uh, Gareth Roberts trying a second time with the character of Kelsey Hooper. I don't know if you remember Kelsey. She was in just the pilot of Sarah Jane, and then they totally got rid of that character yeah. and replaced it with Clyde. And, and I kinda wonder if that is sort of the the DNA of that character is somewhat in Courtney. Whatever the case, Courtney's clearly better. Um, just because of probably the actor, to be frank. Um but also because the character... Yeah, it is the actor. The actor is quite charming. The actor has a great smile, has kind of a twinkle in her eye, really kind of a perfect kid for the 12th Doctor because they're both smartasses in a way. Yeah. So I kind of dig that. Um, so that, that's an interesting... That would be the only sort of Sarah Jane thing that I immediately saw was, wow, that is quite a bit like Kelsey. Um, But I tell you what, another, I'll stop here after this. The the other thing that's interesting to me is I said in um, Into the Dalek that the great thing about the location that they chose for Cole Hill School was that it actually matched, uh, more or less, the school, the set that they built for an unearthly child. And you could easily believe that, you know, that was the same property that had been, you know, simply um, renovated over time. Yeah. But the thing, uh, you know, as compared to Remembrance of the Daleks, which really does not look anything like the Coal Hill School that's in uh, The Child. Um, but what's great about this episode is that I guess it allows you to believe that the Remembrance of the Daleks, uh, Coal Hill School, might possibly be the same school. You were just seeing a different part of it because what this episode very clearly establishes is the hodgepodge nature of the architecture of um Cole Hill School, and there's this one shot where they're going down the hall, uh, I think in what appears to be the science part of it, and that part actually really matches the part where Ace and and the Seventh doctor go up on the second level, uh, and uh, you know, McCoy does that ridiculous oh, I've got a damn umbrella with a question mark on it, so I can use that as a zip line move Uh Um, And, and actually that part looks like something that was in this episode too so it's kind of like this episode heals all wounds with respect to what Coal Hill School is supposed to look like and now the only mystery about Coal Hill School is why they didn't get the right tie Um, because it bugs me every time I look at at a a modern day student of Coal Hill School that that is not the Coal Hill School tie but you know I'm an Anorak.
5: What do you Well doing? I suppose they're allowed to change the tie twice in fifty years. I mean football clubs change their strip every other season.
8: Uh, maybe. Ah. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. It's still it still would be nice to believe that there was a continuity of wardrobe at Golittle School. But anyway, really great. Oh, and then, and then the other thing that was great and I I don't know that much about who is cast, I don't know that many spoilers or whatever. Completely surprised, and yet at the same time instantly not surprised to see Chris Addison at the end. Um, of course, Chris Addison, uh, Peter Capaldi's acting buddy from the Thick of It. Uh, I I was always thinking that if Chris Addison was uh, going to be involved in Doctor Who, that he was going to be a companion, and that you would have this, you know, Thick of It reunion in the TARDIS, more or less. But it still is like, oh well, of course you're bringing out all the heavyweights uh, from comedy acting in uh, Britain to put in this episode in this season of Doctor Who because yeah, Chris Addison against uh, Michelle Gomez, against Peter Capaldi it's kind of ridiculous the the star power that's in this series if you know and like uh, British comedy, current British comedy at least
0: Yeah, I haven't haven't seen the thick of it so I I didn't really catch that Hey, it's on discount
8: right now. At least Season 4 is on discount right now on um, iTunes in America. And the great thing about Season 4 is, yeah, it helps you a little bit to have earlier series, but not really because there's a fundamental change that happens at the beginning of Series 1, so you can just start right there. You'll love it. It's under 20 bucks. I think it's $15 on iTunes.
0: Very good. I'll have to check it out. Alright, well thank you Doth. As always. Insightful. Thank you. And um and I always appreciate your your take on things and um and your appreciation of the of the uh technical aspects of the production as well. Indeedy. All right, thanks. Cheers. Thank you. I, I do agree with Doth um as far as um, you know, the character of Courtney Woods plays, played by Ellis George I think she did a great job in it and uh, to the contrary, I think Robert didn't like the end scene there I, I did, I I thought it was it, we're led to believe that maybe at first, you know, we just see the robot in space and the TARDIS and I guess we're led to believe it's going to be Clara and, and Danny on board the TARDIS and it turns out to be uh, Courtney Woods and I just thought um, i i the way they built her out to be such a outgoing a bit of a smart ass and um um you know and then she turns out to be well she she's having trouble you know taking it all in and and being in space and um creating some spillage in the TARDIS so i I just thought that was a good um and i, I thought peter capaldi's doctor i think the twelfth doctor and worked well with with younger people i I don't have a problem um with that type of relationship. You know, uh, I think it worked well. Yep. Uh, as far as accents go, I don't, I mean, um, I, I still don't have a problem with any of the accents, especially I don't have a problem with Peter Capaldi's accent. Uh, as Doth was saying... Uh, 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 wait a minute, could you just could you say that a little bit slower? I couldn't understand uh, you. Well, with my New York accent, yes no my uh, the, the, I think the the problem I have is not so much with the accent not, not, well i don't have a problem with him really um it's some of the words like I asked you before about squatty you know i hadn't heard that term before, so sometimes there's terminology or or just some different ways of um, you know the, uh, the way things are are worded differently or or many times it's names like um um but it was... Um, uh, well, I got one wrong last week. I,
5: I didn't hear the D shut up. I thought he said nay shut up, but uh, it was D shut up when he wanted somebody to start speaking after they told him to shut up. Yeah.
0: So it's, it's not really so much I, that... I missed that. It's, sometimes it's names. That's, um, I'm trying to remember, in Dalek there was uh, uh, one of the soldiers. She's uh, blue, something blue. I'm trying to remember her name. I can't remember her name now, but... It was just an unusual name, so like stuff like that. That's that just journey. It was it ju- journey. Blue ju- journey blue. Like I've, I've never heard of a person. I mean, I'm, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying it's, it's, it, and even here, there's uh, one of the students when um, again Doth called into the scene called uh, re- reminded us about the scene where um, the the doctor climbs up that ladder and this in the school room and she's distracted and she goes back there. And one of the students was talking and I think his name was Calvin or not, it wasn't Kelvin. It was just, you know, sometimes there's a name that's just, uh, it might be common in the UK, but I hadn't, it's not familiar to me. So sometimes when, when their names like that are sprinkled about, sometimes it's hard to catch. Oh.
5: So, so you've never heard of a man called Bernard Cribbins, have you? <laughs> Yeah. What's his name Lewis?
0: Bernard Cribbins.
5: <laughs> Sorry, that's an old joke from about 20 pod shocks ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who's counting? Uh I, I do want to also make uh we spoke a little earlier about um about listen and how good that episode was and uh there there's um, when we were reviewing that I had said that uh and I I want to um, give props to blue box bill who isn't on the live show right here but he is a frequent um he does give us frequent uh feedback and he posts a lot to our site and um i had mentioned that in our review listen he, the, the the doctor re, um reveals this part of the TARDIS console where um where clara has this like this organic link to it. she puts her hands into it and um it reads, the TARDIS reads her thoughts and all that. And I said, oh, it might've been good if they had a reveal of this section because we hadn't seen it before. In fact, we did see it before. It it was just sort of there and and I didn't really take note of it. So Blue Box Bill put on our site some screenshots of earlier episodes where you actually do see it. So I do, um, I I stand corrected that that we do see it before because I hadn't gone back and watched those earlier episodes after Listen. So I, um, you know, I would have caught it you know, on rewatch again, but so it it didn't need to be. They, 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 you know, I had suggested maybe there should have been a panel that he removes and reveals it. So it didn't need that reveal because it was always there, and um,
5: yeah. think
0: it was shown in
5: tonight's episode as well. Yes. They went well, n- now
0: now scene, I always yeah. spot it. You know, since since listen now I always see it, <laughs> and you know, every time um, you know it, it is visible. Light. I'm like, oh, there it is, there it is, there it is. Yeah, I think Blue Box Bill made a point of how ingenious uh, they are uh, where they can, you know, work functionality into stuff that was maybe there all the time, you know. Even like the roundels and the TARDIS, you know, at, they were there for many years without any function. And then later on, you see the doctor removing a rondel and, um, and you know, fixing something in the TARDIS or whatever. Or, or maybe it's used as a scanner. All right, I'm going to play a clip, and then uh, we'll give our overall... um, Which, Dave, you already did, but... um, Information. Yes.
3: It was mad. It was like in a film or on the telly, like with science fiction guns.
1: Skovox Blitzer, sounds like. We've had a few in from that.
5: Wouldn't feel too bad. If I hadn't...
1: If I... I hadn't... Hang on. That doesn't make sense. Makes perfect sense to me.
2: How did I escape?
1: I I, I don't remember how I got away. Well, I was coming to that. I'm
0: afraid you really rather
1: didn't. Then how did I get here? Well... Big question. Where am I? What name would
2: you like? There's a range. The Afterlife, The Promised Land. I'm partial to the Nether Sphere. My God.
1: Sorry, she's a bit uh, busy today. So, any questions?
0: Ah. So there we have our Missy um, link there in this episode. And even with that, it wasn't enough to spoil, you know, uh, again, not that I dislike Missy or or, or, or or wherever this is going with that. It's just like I've just grown tired of, you know, season wide story arcs. Um, That's just my own personal take on it that that we've been through it so many times and we can go a season without it but but getting back to the story as a whole i I thought there was nothing there was nothing that really um that took me out of it you know uh the, the i think production wise was very good story wise it um it was very interesting uh obviously the characters are very strong and uh, um uh, you know i there's really not much not to like. About this. Um, That said, there was uh, again for me this, even though it's very enjoyable and it's. I mean, I'm going to give it three and a half, a strong three and a half Tardis groans, um, uh, only because there wasn't. I mean, it just wasn't a story that that I felt that strongly about. But I did enjoy it, and it's 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 something that um, I think. Um, will still be enjoyable even on rewatch because many times when there are stories that are about characters developing and then, I don't know, we'll see how this plays out. We'll see in the future how I feel about it. But sometimes um, after that transition, you're like, oh, well, we already know how this turns out and all that. But I, on the second um, viewing of this, it still was just as enjoyable. And, I, you know, I, I foresee that to be the same. I think it was. it's to the credit of the characters of the acting and, um, you know, I, I, I didn't really have that big of a problem with the alien design. Um, you know, I, I thought, like I said, I, I did like the bottom part of it and the top part wasn't too bad. It just, um, I, but I, I do understand Dave's point on it where it could have been, um, maybe done a little bit differently, less, less, I don't know, I don't uh, know, Twiggy-like. <laughs> For lack of better analysis, I don't know. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I'm going to give it three and a half TARDIS groans—a strong three and a half. I I, I really enjoyed uh, the characters, really, and to me, that's really what Doctor Who is about. It's about good stories, good stories, and good characters. And you know, uh, throughout the entire run of Doctor Who, uh, those are the uh, the enjoyable aspects of it. Um, that's prevalent, you know.
5: Well, uh, just let me say a few more things. I've already given a rating of four and a half out of five. Um, But, I mean, to me, uh, Clara's becoming uh, an absolute favorite. I mean, uh, since 2005, I think she's the best companion uh, stroke actress. Uh, She just jumps off the screen to me. She's so animate, yet, uh, you know, I mean, we've had people that have had so expressionless faces. But um, she's she's not distracting from the other... She's not trying to sort of, um, you know, uh, steal the scene from uh-huh. other people. Yeah. Uh, she compliments the scene. Uh, I think she's excellent. Um, the actor who plays Danny, I think he's great. Just a pity he sounds and talks so much like Mickey Smith. Um, um, mm-hmm. I, it's a pity he didn't have a slightly different accent. The actor's great, but uh, it would have been... Uh, it just keeps getting references to that. Um, so I've talked about the actual story. That scene at the end where we're in this thing, I mean, as I said to you before, I I, I thought this might be an eternal and, um, and they're picking, you know, people up. But I, And I haven't looked around the internet yet because I don't do that until uh, me and Ian have done, and Mike have done a commentary. But um, I'm wondering now, she might be the Rani... In as much as uh, we've had the Master reappear, I'm wondering whether if she evaded the, you know, the, uh, the the time lock and the time war by sort of creating a bubble universe around her TARDIS and this heaven is actually her little bubble or pocket universe or whatever you want to see it uh, and she's grabbing people out of the time stream at their moment of death. Um, for what purpose, I don't know, but... That's my current thinking on it, because I can't believe in it being an ethereal place. Um, I d- you know, I don't want it to have a religious... Uh, I mean, obviously, the, it's using religion as its um, its cover story, shall we say, but I don't want it to be of a, a religious or a fairy tale aspect. I want it to have some scientific generation, and mm-hmm. the other way I can think of that is if it is someone like the Rani... And it is a, a sort of out of time pocket universe.
0: It, it's, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, I, I would love to see, you know, um, uh, maybe the Ronnie come back in some shape or form. Uh, I, I know there's been some some speculation about, you know, her being it, I, being her. Um, I don't know if Stephen Moffat would do that for one of his um, overall series story. Arcs, you know, I, I think he probably would want to put his stamp, you know, something of his creation for that. I am guessing, you know, from from what I know of his work. Uh, but right.
5: know, let me just read out for Jeff. We'll uh, Jeff has put in text uh, three out of five, uh, three and a half out of five, sorry. The Dr. Clara and Danny bits were really good, good humor, good seventh doctor continuity with him being offered the caretaker's position in remembrance. I think I referred to that for, on your behalf earlier, Jeff. Um, still think Missy is a corrupt version of Clara, you know, from a splinter. Um, could be the Riley says GVG7, uh, but my theory, uh, I think my theory about the purpose is correct. Uh, I mean, it just seems strange though, that this policeman, he doesn't seem to have any grudge against the doctor or any, he hasn't even come into contact with the doctor. So yeah. maybe that's why Missy was annoyed perhaps the, perhaps the, her assistant captured the wrong person uh, perhaps she was not supposed to
0: capture that policeman but somebody else I, I don't know I mean she's I, <laughs> she seemed like she was uh, busy with something else that, that maybe will be revealed oh, later on a bit on. miffed a bit miffed
5: why mm. me Lewis Who are going two hours lad
0: Yes. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, I do want to remind people that um, you can, if if you're obviously um, not listening live and you're listening to the um, recorded version, the the on-demand version, uh, you can call the Dr. Who Pachuk public call box at 206-337-4699. Again, that's 206-337-4699. And uh, that's 24 hours a day. Uh, Even when we're not live, and you can leave your feedback there. We're gonna um, we're gonna return to studio episodes, and we're gonna uh, go through all the feedback that we have been getting. And just go to our website, podchalk.net, and just get because that number does change. In fact, um, the 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 service that we are using, I'm I'm I I, we are having some problems with them, and um, so I am looking at other options. So that number, unfortunately, doesn't you know if we do change, it doesn't carry with it. You know, the number doesn't stay with it. So, uh, again, just check our website for the current number of the Pachak public call box because some people are listening to this months later or years later. People (laughs) are going, you know, all our episodes are available through um, iTunes and on our website and all that. So, people are listening to episodes that we've, um, we're we're in our 10th year now. So, people are listening to stuff that uh, we've recorded over the past nine years um, at, you know, now.
5: Oh, and so those, to those people in the 51st century, what's we'll uh, is Doctor Who right? <laughs> isn't,
0: that the, isn't that the century where um, Captain Jack comes from? Maybe he's listening.
5: It's, it's been referenced a lot of times in the 51st century. Yes.
0: So next time looks interesting. Uh, it looks a, a little bit more science fiction oriented. Here's a, a little preview for our next episode of Doctor Who.
4: We have a terrible decision to make. An innocent life versus the future of all mankind.
2: Whatever future humanity might have depends upon the choice that is made right here, right now.
0: so join us next time and we will be that uh it's the episode is titled Kill the Moon and that will be our next live show where we'll be reviewing that at next Sunday next Sunday which is um October already and we'll be reviewing um that episode it's um October 5th yeah, fifth. Yes, 5th yes yeah so at 4 p.m. Uh, you could catch Dave um, if you um, a couple hours before that on the Cultum Collective on every Sunday as well, uh, also on TalkShoe, and um, then after it's recorded on iTunes and other places. Uh, once again, that's the Cultum Collective. Dave and Ian are heading up that show. Cheers. All right, Dave, thanks so much. I know it's been a long day for you, and uh, thanks for all our listeners, all our live callers and dead callers. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh and and future callers, uh future listeners from the fifty first century, now that we're long dead. I'm sure I'm sure they have better things to do with their times than listening to um me stammering and <laughs> going on about um not having sleep and talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> Alright, well, thanks again everyone. Until next week. Cheers everyone. Bye bye. You have been listening to Doctor Who shock presented to you by the fan run Gallifern-MC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Poshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Poshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrop.com for more information on this and other podcasts.
2: I'll see you when I see you. When's that? When I see you.